Good morning, Clinton United Methodist Church. Welcome, and my name is Pastor Michael. I'm coming to you live and in person up here from the mezzanine. Um, I'm glad you're able to join us, whether you're uh, here today and driving or listening to this uh, online or on our phone call, a uh, number you can call into. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, we have a couple quick announcements for you. Uh, first, I'd like to let you know that uh, I visited with Terry Ross uh, and Phyllis yesterday. Um, if you did not see the email that was sent out, uh, Terry is now in hospice care. Um, he is at uh, Hospice of Lenaway County, I believe is the name. It's off of Wolf, Wolf Creek Highway. Um, they're only allowed to have a small handful of people who are allowed to come in and visit him, so um, I cannot invite you to go and see him. Uh, however, I talked with Phyllis, and if people wanted to send cards uh, to their house, um, she said she would bring them to him. Um, he's doing as good as he can be, I think, uh, given all the circumstances, having suffered another stroke. Um, he has a very nice room. There are some bird feeders just outside, and he can see the birds come uh, and the squirrels. Um, and so he's able to, to get some enjoyment there. Um, and I spent about an hour and a half with them, and it was uh, a really nice, nice time getting to know them. And uh, Terry is definitely a, a renaissance man. Um, Phyllis was telling me all the different activities and things he's been into. Um, so if you're ever feeling like you're, uh, you're not accomplished enough, don't talk to her about him because you'll really feel like, like you haven't been doing enough in your life because he uh, has just dabbled in all kinds of things. Um, so we want to keep uh, both of them and their family in our prayers as, uh, as they are going through this time. And I'm going to pass it over now uh, to Sheila, who's going to tell you all kinds of other fun stuff. Good morning, church family. Um, just want to highlight a few things in the bulletin, and then I've got a couple extra announcements. Our coffee convos are taking place from 1 to 2 on Mondays. Prayer workshops will start not this week, but the following week. And for Clinton, that would be Monday when, or Wednesdays. Check that schedule out. That's what pastor's going to be doing, some prayer workshops during Lent. And then there's a couple different ways that you can contact Pastor if you'd like to talk to him, either through his phone number or a website also listed in the bulletin. Many years ago, the women of the church, I understand, started a cookbook. And we decided the other night at Ad Board, Finance Ad Board meeting, that we would like to continue that cookbook and get it completed for the November craft show. So at this time, if you have any appetizer recipes, Please uh, copy them down, type them out, however you want to do that, and get them to Linda or I. Either you can drop them in the offerings on Sunday when you come or email them to us. We want to start putting that cookbook together. Also, our thermostats are locked. You're not going to be able to adjust them. However, if you know you're going to be in the church for any uh, activity that maybe isn't already scheduled, if you give Rick or Jim Strickland a uh, couple days notice, they will adjust the thermostats accordingly so you, when you're up here you're not freezing. Also, do you love children and youth? Do you like to help people? Do you like to share your faith? Well, have we got just the thing for you. The Worship and Education Committee is looking to add another Sunday school teacher for this fall so we can better spread out our age groups for learning. Specifically, we are hoping to find someone who would lead our fourth grade and up group. And the best part, you do not need any prior teaching experience. You do not need any prior anything, just a willing heart. We will help you get all set up and help along the way. We are also looking for anyone who might be willing to help as a sub every so often as needed. If you are interested, please pass, contact Pastor Michael or any of the Worship and Education Committee. We have some really great kids here at Clinton UMC, and we want to do the very best for them that we can. And I believe that concludes our announcements for today. Let's go to worship. Please join me in our call to worship as in the bulletin. The glory of God shines like, like a, a consuming, consuming fire. We have seen the glory of God in, in the, the face, face of Jesus Christ. Christ. 
The voice of God thunders like, like a, a mighty, mighty storm. storm. Out of the cloud, God speaks. This, this is, is my, my beloved son. son. Listen, Listen to him. him. And please turn to page 173 for our opening hymn, Christ Whose Glory Fills the Skies. join me for our opening prayer. Holy, Holy and mighty God, God gather, gather us among your faithful ones, the people of your covenant, to stand in the light of your glory and listen for the word of the Lord, Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Amen. Please turn to page 203, Hail to the Lord's Anointed. Daily. 
together with me aloud in our prayer of illumination. Speak, Speak to, to us, us, O Lord our God, and let, let the fire of your spirit burn brightly in our hearts. Open our minds to receive the wisdom of the law, the hope of the prophets, and the life of the gospel. Jesus Christ, your living word. Amen. Our first scripture reading this morning is from 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, NRSV version, and it's titled, Elijah Ascends to Heaven. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgah. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the, today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The company of prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan, to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up, struck the water, the water parted to the one side and to the other until the two of them crossed on dry land. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, You have asked a hard thing. Yet, if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them into pieces. The word of God for the people of God. And you say, thanks, thanks be, be to God. God. The God who speaks and summons the earth into being now speaks to us, calling us to offer up our lives as a sacrifice of praise. than silver or gold I'd rather be his than have riches untold I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain or be I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to 
Please join us now in singing our doxology. Gracious God, we give you thanks for the light of love around us and the fire of faith within us as we go forth from this place that our lives reflect the one who is the image of your glory, Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Amen. It is now our time for our youth moment, so I'd like to invite our youth and children to head on in, and I will meet you downstairs, and we'll talk about some stuff. Yeah, you guys, it's up to you. You can sit on the floor, you can stand, whatever you're feeling. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Yeah, there's snow on the carpet. It happens. So one of the Bible passages we're going to read later, the adults are going to hear about, Jesus asks the disciples not to tell anybody what they saw. He asks them to keep a secret. Have you guys ever had someone ask you to keep a secret that you were really excited about? Like what? Um, I can't remember, but I told my Okay. Yeah. Okay. So when I was younger, I remember one time, hold on, buddy. I remember one time I went shopping with my dad for my mom's birthday, and he bought her a really pretty necklace, and he said, you have to keep this a secret. You can't tell her. 
And it was really hard because it was a really pretty necklace and I knew she was gonna like it. DeAndre, hold on, buddy. It's, just hold on. Um, and when he finally gave it to her, I was so excited because I knew she'd be really happy and excited about it. And there are times when we might have to hold on to a really good secret that makes us really excited and it can be really hard. Thank you. Um, one of the things, it's just snow. Um, one of the things, though, that Jesus was asking the disciples not to tell anybody about were some of the miracles and the cool stuff he did. But now, we don't have to hold that secret. We can tell everybody about all the cool stuff Jesus did, especially how Jesus died and saved us. Okay, so we don't have to hold that as a secret. We can tell everybody we meet. That's pretty cool, right? You guys think you can do that? That sound like fun? Okay, so before you uh, run off to your Sunday school stuff, um, can you guys help me with one more important thing? We need to do the Lord's Prayer. Can you help me with that? DeAndre? Stop. Stop. It'll dry. It'll be fine. Okay, you ready? All right. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Awesome, you guys did a great job. Do we have, we do have, we have suckers over here. They are Valentine's suckers. But they're still Tootsie Pops, so they're still the good stuff. Well, are they the same ones that we used to have last week? Yes. And happy Valentine's Day to you guys. I hope you have lots of fun. It's okay. Anybody else? One, twice sold. Okay. All right, you guys have fun in Sunday school. Listen to your teachers and learn lots of fun stuff, okay? Okay. All right.
If you would please join me now in an attitude of prayer. If you uh, look in our bulletin, you will see we have some prayer requests. Uh, We're asking for continued prayers of healing for Jim Strickland after his knee surgery. It sounds like he's doing uh, good, but we know he uh, still has some recovery work ahead of him. Uh, Prayers for Judy Crittenden on Raisin Center Highway and her entire family. Um, asking prayers for Michael Lambert, Kim's neighbor, who has a tumor on his liver and is also suffering from complications that aren't allowing a procedure on that to be done. Um, Prayers for Richard Randolph's cousin, Linda, who passed away from COVID and for their entire family. Um, Prayers for Jim and Sandy, friends of Sheila, who Their only child passed away at the end of January this year. Uh, Prayers for Sandy Cuevas and her family. Her brother-in-law passed away in Florida. Uh, Prayers for Sandy's grandson, Bill, who's serving in the Army and has been battling COVID. Uh, We have prayers asking for success for the new chemo treatment that Sue uh, has started, and we hope that that uh, is successful and does not cause her a great deal of pain. Um, we have prayers for Jody's brother-in-law who hurt his back. Uh, his name is Craig Henry, praying for healing mercies. Um, we are asking for healing prayers for Noah Gibson, Linda and Roger's grandson, who had surgery on Monday. Um, and then prayers for uh, Lisa's family, her youngest grandson, Baker, was diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy. Um, He was approved for a new uh, gene therapy uh, procedure, which was done on Thursday, and it sounds like so far it has gone well. He was uh, back at home playing with his trucks, which was one of his favorite things to do, so uh, hopefully that's a good sign uh, for things to come for them. And then, of course, as I mentioned earlier, prayers for Terry uh, and Phyllis Ross. Uh, Terry, that he might... uh, hopefully recover from his stroke um, and just prayers of strength um, and kind of peace for both him and Phyllis uh, during this kind of difficult time right now. If you would please join me in an attitude of prayer. Holy God, we come before you this cold winter morning thankful for all of the blessing and mercy and grace that you bestow upon us. There is so much that we are thankful for, so many ways you have touched us in our hearts and our lives, many ways we may not even be fully aware of yet. And Lord, you taught us to bring everything to you in prayer, so today we also lift up prayers of thanks and prayers of just asking for strength and guidance, and the continued efforts of all of those who work to help heal us. There are so many people from doctors and nurses and surgeons and 
lab technicians and research scientists and so many more. And we thank you for their efforts and sacrifice of their time and ask that you continue to work alongside them in all that they do. Lord, we also lift up all of those who are suffering today in whatever way they may be suffering, whether physically, emotionally, or mentally. God, we ask for your healing touch that not only would those efforts of those people in the healthcare industry be effective, but also that your healing touch and healing peace might be upon them as they work through whatever they may be struggling with. We also lift up prayers of thanksgiving and prayers of protection for all of those who are working so hard to keep us safe in the world, from our uh, men and women serving in the military and the armed forces around the world, our firefighters, our police officers, our first responders, and, and so many more. God, we ask that you would touch their hearts and minds, guide them in all they say and do, and keep them safe and strong. For those who are far away in their service, we pray that they may be able to return home soon and we could see an end to conflict in our world. God, we also lift up our nation and every nation of the world. We continue to be in a time of struggle with not only this pandemic, but with a lot of discourse and frustration and anger and hatred and conspiracy and confusion. And there's just so much stress and tension. And God, we know that we alone cannot bring about peace. We know only you can do that, but we know that we can work alongside you and we pray that you would inspire us through the power of your Holy Spirit. You would touch our hearts and our minds. Help us to see your pure truth in that we are all your children. We are all worthy of being, of mercy, of grace and love. Help us to love one another, to forgive one another. Help us to see that we are so much more alike than how different we may assume that we are. All of these things, as well as those we keep quietly in our own hearts and minds, we lift to you this day in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God alone is righteous. God alone is perfect. God alone is judge. Yet this holy, righteous God comes to us in love to save us. Rejoicing in God's grace, let us confess our sin. If you would please join me aloud in our prayer of confession. God of all glory, beauty, and grace, we have tried to hide from you, to hide our faces, to hide our sin, yet you have never hidden your love for us. We have tried to search for you in temples, in clouds, on mountaintops, yet you have already revealed yourself to us in the face of Jesus Christ. Forgive us and transform us so that our lives may shine with your glory, beauty, and grace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please take a few moments now for silent prayer and confession. Hear these words, our God comes and does not keep silence. God speaks to us with grace and love, saying, you are my beloved child. This is the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please join me for the affirmation of faith, the Nicene Creed, on page 880 or in your bulletin. We believe, we believe in, in, God, one, in God, in one God, the, the Father, Father the, the Almighty, Almighty, 
maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who is spoken through the prophets, we believe in the one holy, universal, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our second scripture reading this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6, NRSV version. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The word of God for the people of God. And you say, thanks be to God. Our next hymn is page 451, Be Thou My Vision. Our third scripture reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. This section is titled, The Transfiguration. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up to a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. 
And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them not to tell or to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the gospel of the Lord, and you say, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Please join me again in an attitude of prayer. Reveal your presence to us this day, O God, of light, love, and glory. As you did to your servants at the foot of the mountain, send your spirit to show us your story. May the brilliance of your face illuminate this place as we dare to proclaim your word. And may we, your people, be never unable to tell all of that we have heard. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together in this place be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, today is Transfiguration Sunday. It sounds like a big deal, doesn't it, with such a big word, transfiguration? But what is transfiguration? What is Transfiguration Sunday all about? Our third scripture reading from the Gospel of Mark, the ninth chapter, tells us the story of when Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him to the top of a high mountain where he is transfigured, according to the passage. Verse 3 says, His clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. In Matthew's Gospel, the corresponding passage of this story says that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And then Moses and Elijah appear, and they talk with Jesus. And the three disciples are so amazed at what they see. Peter even offers to build three shines, or shrines or dwelling places to honor Jesus and Moses and Elijah. And then a booming voice from a cloud says, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And the disciples are terrified. And in, ver- or in uh, Matthew's gospel, it says, Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. And then they head back down the mountain. Now, I'm not really sure that that explains exactly what happened here. I don't think it fully lays out what transfiguration might mean. But that, that might be okay. You see, Barbara Brown Taylor, an American Episcopal priest professor, author, theologian, and preacher, she actually advises against talking about the transfiguration of Jesus. And part of her argument for this is a reminder that neither Jesus nor the three disciples who were with him talked about it. Jesus tells the three of them in verse 9 not to tell anyone what happened until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Jesus told the disciples not to tell anyone about what they had seen until after the resurrection. In a way, as I alluded to uh, when I was talking to our youth, he was asking them to keep a secret. Although this is not the first or the last time that Jesus would ask one of his disciples or followers to, to do that, to not tell others about certain things until a later time. So in keeping with this focus of keeping a secret, A question comes to my mind. Have any of you ever tried to keep a secret about something out of the ordinary that happened? For those of you who have, it's not easy, is it? But in this case, the three disciples may have pulled it off. I mean, yes, eventually the story did get out as we have it here before us in scripture. Someone eventually spilled the beans. 
But what Taylor suggests in her argument against talking about the transfiguration of Jesus is to not attempt to try to give some reasonable explanation of what happened on that mountain. And I think I understand where she's coming from. After all, strange things tend to happen on mountains in scripture. It seems that when the Bible tells us that someone is going up to a mountain, an epiphany is about to happen there. We see it in the Old Testament numerous times, as well as here in the New Testament. One thing, though, that I believe that we can take away from this part of Scripture is the truth that we all need mountaintop experiences. Those are sacred moments, the ones when God's presence comes near to help assure us, or maybe in some cases instead even challenge us. In the case of Peter, James, and John, they were assured that in their leaving everything in their lives to turn and follow Jesus, they were on the right track. They were on the right track despite the moments of doubt or the pushback from other religious authorities of their time. And there are definitely times when we need those, those sacred moments, specifically the ones when God's presence comes near to help assure us. There will always be those moments when, when questions arise in our minds. What was I thinking when I agreed to sign on to, to work for justice and reconciliation? Can this ever work in such a divided and hostile world as ours? But then, in some remarkable way, forgiveness is offered. A corner is turned, or maybe a roadblock removed, and God's peaceable kingdom comes near. The truth is there is no humanly understandable, logical explanation for the way that God's power works. Now, there is a manuscript that was written by a monk from the 6th century, and in it, this monk suggests that there is, in fact, a miracle in this story of the transfiguration of Jesus that often seems to be ignored or missed. This monk points out that when the disciples see Jesus seeming to change, what is actually happening is that their eyes are being opened and they are seeing a new reality. The monk claims that it was revealed to the disciples that the way of Jesus was God's way in the world. This viewpoint definitely helps explain uh, the verse 6 in Matthew where it says, hearing this, the disciples fell on their faces filled with awe, or in Mark's gospel, they read where it says that they were terrified. I mean, the one whom they had been following, this Jesus character, had the power to transform them into agents of God's love and justice and to heal a broken world. And I really believe that this 6th century monk was onto something. We have stories of Jesus making the blind see again. And here, maybe here, Jesus was opening the eyes of these three disciples that they might see the whole truth of who he was, not just to them, but who he was to the whole world. But fear still raises its head one more time. Jesus understands that we are fearful creatures. That is not an unknown thing to God. We see proof of this again and again throughout Scripture. Jesus telling people not to be afraid and to not let our hearts be troubled. When we look at our fears, we can see how some of them grow out of the precarious nature of life. I mean, despite our arrogance, we do not really know what is coming towards us tomorrow. It could be a storm, a frightening person, a terrifying medical diagnosis, or even tragic and damaging news. The truth is that fear can dominate our lives. Fear can stop us right in our tracks and envelop us completely. All you need to do is turn on the evening news for five or ten minutes to be inundated with the frightening reality of the world around us. 
But it doesn't have to be that way. Because we need to remember that this kind of fear is addressed with the promise that nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, anywhere and anytime can ever separate us from God's steadfast and unconditional love. Nothing. You know, I really believe that there is a different kind of fear that may overcome the disciples at the transfiguration that day. These three had their eyes open to this new reality that God is bringing about in Christ, and they were afraid. And that was okay, because encounters with the presence and purpose of God can be frightening. Let's be honest, things may not be running so smoothly when we are at the controls. But the truth is that God is really running things, and that means that we are not. And that also means that we may never really know what to expect. We can never be 100% sure just what God may be up to. We can never be 100% sure what God might call us to do. And that can bring about fear. What if God is calling us to, well, dare I say it, but to talk to people about our faith in Jesus? What if God is setting in place the pieces of a new ministry opportunity that God wants us to take the lead on? And it's not just us who may be in fear. Not just all of us sitting here today in our cars or couches at home, as it were. Or even just me up here preaching. Do not think it is ever just you. There have been many times in my life that I was fearful of just what God had planned, mostly because it meant change, and in some cases, big change. A lot of times, it also meant giving up control, or at least my perceived sense of control. What about someone like Martin Luther King Jr.? I am sure there were many times in the struggle to bring an end to racial injustice that he too was afraid. He faced many things that would cause most people fear, including attack dogs, fire hoses, people throwing rocks, and angry crowds that were incredibly dangerous and frightening. But late one night, as he sat alone at the kitchen table, King has told others that he heard what he would call an inner voice that was telling him to do what he thought was right. And from that point on, he knew that the hand of the Lord was upon him. That gave him the courage to face whatever might be ahead of him. God was moving through him to help set his people free. So God gives us these mountaintop experiences that are transformative. These mountaintop moments change the very way we see the world and change the very way we see ourselves. You see, the, the business as usual, or everyday life, or normal, those things are no longer possible after you have seen the vision of God's good future revealed to us in Jesus Christ. And that is because those experiences give us confidence in the presence and power of God's steadfast and unconditional love that endures forever. These experiences sustain us through trials and tribulations, and we are never, ever left alone. In between the time that Jesus was baptized by his cousin John and his journey to the cross, Jesus and these three disciples had an epiphany. And after that point, the lives of those disciples, Peter, James, and John, were never, ever the same. The transfiguration signaled that a new day was on the way in Jesus. It signaled that God was moving us towards the beloved community, the same one that years, decades, time later, Martin Luther King Jr. would preach about and die for. The message here is clear. God is about the business of bringing hope and healing to a broken world. Now, I don't know about everyone else. I cannot speak for everyone else, but I think I can safely say 
that this is the most broken I have ever seen our world. And I acknowledge that I have not walked this earth as long as others, but I feel as though I have lived long enough and studied the world's history enough to stand by that belief. This is a broken world. We can see that not just in our own country, but far beyond our borders as well. Conflict continues to break this world, and it's not just the pandemic, it's everything. But here's the thing. When your eyes are open to God's good fortune or good future, once that has happened, you can't go back. It cannot be undone. However, you can go back down the path to be a healing presence for those who are hurting, to work for justice and peace, and to offer hope. The truth is that people are hungry. They are hungry to experience this good news. And while we may not be fully able to explain or even fully understand the transfiguration story, we do have something else. We can tell people about the power and purpose of God and Jesus Christ to make all things new. This week, I'd like to ask you to do something. I'd like you to try and take some time and think about practical ways that you can go back down that path to be a healing presence to those who are hurting or to work for justice and peace or to offer hope. I know in this time of pandemic, the, some of the ways we might have done that in the past are no longer options because of the need for social distancing and other health precautions. But if one thing I have learned about all of you is God's power of creativity is alive and well in each and every one of you, and you will find practical ways. Think about practical ways that you can help to feed that hunger that people have to experience the good news. Jesus told his disciples several times in scripture to not tell others about some of the things that he had done, or at least not until a later time. Well, folks, that time has come. Let us go out there and tell the world. Amen. If you would join us in our closing hymn number 585 in your hymnals, This Little Light of Mine. Beloved children of God, now go and tell the good news. The Lord of life and light is with us. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. 
The very face of God shines upon you with beauty, blessing, and peace. Alleluia. Amen.